Praise the Lord for Resurrection Sunday. Let's read our text that Pastor Laid read for us earlier. John chapter 20. On the first day of the week, it was Mary Magdalene who came to the tomb early while it was still dark and saw that the stone had been taken away from the tomb. Then she ran and came to Simon Peter and to the other disciples whom Jesus loved and said to them, They have taken away the Lord out of the tomb, and we don't know where they have laid him. Peter therefore went out and the other disciple, and they were going to the tomb. So they both ran together, and the other disciple outran Peter and came to the tomb first. I want to know why that has to be in the Bible. John didn't have to tell us this. I'm just kidding. I'm going to ask him someday, though. (laughs) He's faster than Peter. And he stooped down, and he looked in and saw the linen cloth lying there, yet he did not go in. Then Simon Peter came following him and went into the tomb, and he saw the linen cloth lying there, and the handkerchief that had been around his head, not laying with the linen cloth, but it was folded together in a place by itself. Then the other disciple, who came to the tomb first, went in also and saw and believed. For as yet they did not know the scripture, that he must rise again from the dead, And then the disciples went away again to their own homes. Let's go back a week, and let's walk through the week that leads up to Resurrection Sunday. Last Sunday was Palm Sunday, one week ago. And on Palm Sunday, we made mention, when Jesus says, the volume of the book is about me, there were three prophecies that were fulfilled on Palm Sunday. Zechariah 9 says that when the Messiah comes, he has to be riding on a donkey. And that was fulfilled It also says in Psalm 118 that this would be the day when they would say, Hosanna, save now. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And that's what the people were actually saying while Jesus was on the donkey. Psalm 118, a messianic psalm, was fulfilled. The Pharisees understood it all too well because they said, rebuke your followers. They think you're the Messiah. And remember, Jesus says, I can't. Because if they hold their peace, it says the very stones would immediately cry out. Somebody was going to be praising the Lord that day. You want to say amen to that? So that was fulfilled. And then, of course, we went to probably the most powerful prophecies in the Old Testament, and that would be Daniel 9, where it actually tells us in verse 24 and 25, Know therefore and understand, Daniel, that from the going forth of the command to build and restore Jerusalem until the Messiah will be exactly 69 weeks or 483 years or 173,880 days. The command was given on the 2nd of Nisan in Nehemiah chapter 2. Starting point, you count out 173,880 days and it brings you to Palm Sunday. We had three prophecies fulfilled one week ago when we celebrated Palm Sunday. Well, that was Sunday. On Monday, when you do a sort of a survey of the scriptures, he walked by a fig tree and um, there was no fruit on it. And he cursed it. It's emblematic, I think, of the nation of Israel wanting to bring fruit. And uh, it had not. Matter of fact, they had rejected him. On Tuesday, they walked by the fig tree again, and the disciples were amazed that it had withered away so quickly after the Lord had cursed it. Tuesday and Wednesday, I can't be dogmatic about the events and the order they happened. You have to sort of do a combination of the Gospels. But we have the parable of the two sons. Remember um, um, the question of doing the will of the father. And he tells the story. He says, dad, I'll do it. But then he doesn't do it. And the one who didn't do it, or said he wouldn't, he actually goes out and does it. It was a parable that Jesus told. We have the parable of the vineyard owners. This he spoke against the religious leaders who should have been telling the people that he was the Messiah. So he tells the story about uh, owner of a vineyard sending, in this case, prophets, and uh, they would kill the prophets and stone the prophets. Uh, we're in Isaiah right now. Um, uh, it says in, in Hebrews that some of them were sawn asunder. Isaiah, they cut them in half. And that's how they 
shamefully treated the messengers of God. And then he finally says, I know what I'll do. I'll send my own beloved son. Surely they'll respect him. But the owners of the vineyard, the caretaker says, there's the heir. Let's take him out. Then it'll be ours. And then Jesus asks a hypothetical question. What do you suppose the owner of the vineyard is going to do? He says, I'll tell you what he's going to do. He's going to take them and he's going to kill them and deal with them. And then the religious leader said, certainly not. And then Jesus turns a table on them, and he quotes Psalm 118 to them. Just, a, just a, uh, a day earlier, this would have been on Tuesday, just two days earlier, they were quoting it and saying, rebuke your followers. And now Jesus turns the table on, on these guys, and he quotes Psalm 118 back at them. And he says, well, then tell me this. Why is it written a stone which the builders rejected, that's you guys, has become the chief cornerstone. And he throws it right back at him. And then he says, you can have one of two options when you hear the gospel. You can either fall on the stone and be broken. And it's a picture of a broken heart that is aware of their sin. They come to Jesus and, and um, they're born again. Or you can have the stone fall on you in judgment. One or two options. There's no in-between. So that happened on Tuesday. The other thing that happened on Tuesday or Wednesday was the parable of the ten virgins, five wise, five foolish. Um, I believe it's a picture. They were all virgins. In other words, they were all called the church, but only five of them had oil, again, symbol of uh, the spirit. And uh, they were ready, and they went in, but the other five weren't ready and didn't go in. We have Jesus' teaching this last week. On, uh, on uh, Good Friday, we ended with famous quotes from people. Uh, we quoted the last final words of Karl Marx and P.T. Barnum and some other folks and what was important to them. And the point was, people's final words we should listen up to because they're important. Matthew 24, the Olivet Discourse. In Matthew, Jesus was asked, what's it going to be like when he comes again? So this is his last week before Good Friday, and he's teaching about the rapture of the church, Jesus coming in, in power. And he says, the generation that sees the rebirth of the nation of Israel will see the fulfillment of all Bible prophecy. That's all in Matthew chapter 24. In 25, he talks about when he returns, the first order of business is going to be the judgment of the nations, where he's going to separate the sheep from the goats. The ones on the right hand will enter the kingdom, and the ones that um, treated God's people, Israel, wrongfully, the goats, took the mark of the beast. He says they were cast into outer darkness, where there was weeping and wailing and gnashing of teeth. That's in Matthew 25. Also that last couple days, either Tuesday or Wednesday, he was anointed with a very costly oil by Mary. And this is the Mary, whenever you read about her in the Bible, she's always sitting at the feet of Jesus, listening. Remember when um, her sister Martha got a little ticked at Mary because Martha was doing all the work and she complains to the Lord and says, Lord, come on, I'm doing all the work here. Mary's just sitting around doing nothing, just listening to you. And he, he rebuked her. He says, this, Mary has chosen the better part. It's better to sit down and listen to me than being involved, even if it's in serving the Lord. It's more important to hear the words of Jesus than to actually um, do, do work. So you want to give me an amen on that? Now, I make this point for one reason. She was anointing him for burial. Jesus clearly told the disciples on the way to Jerusalem that he was going there, he was going to be um, uh, denied uh, by Judas Iscariot, betrayed. Uh, he would be abducted by the religious hierarchy, that he would be shamefully treated, that he would be killed, and that he would rise again. He clearly said that. And yet, the disciples 
right over their heads. They weren't listening. They had plans of their own. See, James and John were scheming. I'm well. Lord's setting up the kingdom. And I want a position in a cabinet. But there was one person who was listening. And here's the benefit of what we're just doing this morning, studying the word of God. As we take it in, Mary took it in, and she was different. We always find her sitting at the feet of Jesus. And because of that, she was listening. And she understood what she was doing. And, of course, Judas comes in. He's all ticked off. And he says, this, could, this is a whole year's salary. You're, you're wasting it at, on, on him? And Jesus said, back off, Judas. Well, I don't know if you use the word back off or not, but he says, <laughs> he says, leave her alone. She's doing this for my burial. Um, and then the scripture tells us he could have cared less about that because Judas was a thief. I think some people paint Judas uh, as just being a little naive and really didn't know what he was doing. No, he's a crook. Judas was a crook. And um, one with a very guilty conscience. And, uh, but he wasn't concerned. He just wanted, he was planning on ripping that money off. So during, from last Sunday, when it was Palm Sunday, we go through the final week. We finally come to um, uh, the Passover, which was probably on Thursday. Jesus told them to prepare the Passover meal. Um, and then he says in the middle of the meal tonight, one of you guys is going to betray me. And um, <laughs> they all begin to say, well, who is it, Lord? Is it I? Is it I? And um, Judas would have been sitting on the right-hand side. That would have been the place of honor. John is sitting over here on the left with his head on the Lord's shoulder. Peter's on the way end of, of the table, and he's doing one of these kind of things to John. John, ask him who it is. And he says, and so on his, he's got his head down. He says, Lord, who is it? And the Lord told him. He says, it's the one who takes the Dorito and puts it in the salsa dip, and I give it back to him. That's the one. No sooner had he said it than Judas takes the Dorito, puts it in the dip, and eats it. And John goes, holy smokes, it's Judas. Judas gets up immediately, and the Lord says, what you do, do quickly. And he went out and he betrayed our Lord for 30 pieces of silver. Now that all happened on the night that we call the Passover meal. It says they sang a hymn, and then they went to the Garden of Gethsemane, where the Lord asked his three closest guys, um, Peter, James, and John, guys, I need you to pray for me right now. I says, you don't fully comprehend what's going on here. Just pray for me. And the Bible said he prayed several times to the um, intense pressure that was upon him. He sold my, my souls in great agony. And... Um, he sweat great drops of blood. And he said, Father, if it's possible, any way that I don't have to drink this cup, if there's any other way that man can be saved, then I'm, I'm choosing that. But nevertheless, your will be done, not mine. There was no other way. There's no other way I can get to heaven. There's no other way you can get to heaven. Except by the sacrifice that took place on Good Friday, where the sins of the world came upon Jesus. He hung on that cross from 9 o'clock in the morning till 3 o'clock in the afternoon. And if you were here for our Good Friday Day service, we talked about the seven things that Jesus said. And finally, he said to Telestai, it's finished, paid in full, work is over. And when he realized it was over, he asked for something to drink because his tongue was, according to... Uh, Psalm 22 was stuck to the side of his mouth. And his final words was, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. And he dismissed his own spirit. He's the only one who can do that. And he gave up and he died. And then it was verified when they stuck the spear into his side and blood and water came out. Um, and uh, Nicodemus and uh, Joseph of Arimathea took the body and buried 
And that's pretty much brings us to Jesus now being in the, in the tomb. But he's not going to rise from the grave for three days. On the cross, something happened. They had these two thieves. And they were mocking him, uh, speaking shamefully to him. You saved others, save us too. And then all of a sudden, one of the guys, it just, it just hit him. He says, this isn't right. This guy did nothing wrong. And he says to the other guy, leave him alone. And he says, we deserve what's happening right now. But not this guy. This guy is innocent. He heard him say, Father, forgive him. They don't know what they're doing. And um, he looks at the Lord. And he says, Lord, he called him Lord. That means he believed on him. And he says, will you just remember me when you enter your kingdom? That's what he said. And he says, today, you're going to be with me in paradise. Well, wait a second. Jesus isn't, we, get, we read, uh, we're going to read here in a second. Mary's going to be clinging to him. And uh, he's going to say to Mary, don't cling to me because I have not yet ascended to my father. Now, this is after three days. So what does he mean by today you'll be with me in paradise? Well, um, in Ephesians, first of all, Jesus said as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of the great fish, even so the Son of Man must be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. In the heart of the earth. Well, what's down there? Well, in Ephesians 4, verse 8, it says, When he ascended on high, when he did go to heaven, it says he led captivity captive, and then he gave gifts to men. That's what it means when he sent back the Holy Spirit. Now this, in verse 9, he ascended. What does it mean that he also first descended into the lower parts of the earth? And he who descended is also the one who ascended, far above the heavens that he might fill all things. So he descends into the lower parts of the earth. Well, what's down there? Hebrews tells us that Old Testament saints died not having received the promise. It says, but they looked forward to it. They looked forward to a city not built with hands whose builder and maker is God. You see, nobody could go to heaven until Jesus paid the price on the cross for their sins. There was a waiting chamber. It's called Abraham's bosom. And if you had faith in the Old Testament, like Abraham, Isaac, and and Jacob, and the patriarchs, and those who had faith, when they died, according to Luke 16, Jesus tells a story about the rich man um, and Lazarus. The rich man died and goes to hell. He's in torment. But uh, Lazarus is carried by angels to a place called Abraham's bosom. When Jesus said to the guy on the cross, today you're going to be with me in paradise, um, we sang it this morning. We sang it in the song. He emptied paradise. And that's setting the captives free. That's where the thief was for those three days. He had the shortest day probably of all of them. And after that time, Jesus set them free, and he could. Revelation 1.18 says this, as he's appearing to John, who's writing this gospel. He says, I am he that lives, I was dead, and behold, I'm alive forevermore, amen. And I have the keys, right here, of hell and death. He had the keys with him, and he opened Abraham's bosom, paradise, and he set the captives free. In Matthew chapter 27, verse 52, it says, after Jesus arose, it said, many graves were opened in Jerusalem and appeared to many. Now, man, that's pretty freaky, don't you think? Jesus is the first fruits, but now you have Abraham's bosom being emptied, and the Lord, for some reason, allowed some of these people to actually be seen by relatives. I believe it was a one-time occurrence. Well, that's pretty much what happened over this last week from Palm Sunday. We've pretty much given that review. Now, it's three days later, and we just read chapter 20, that Mary Magdalene, I identify with this girl. She was really messed up, possessed by seven demons. And when Jesus set her free... Um, 
she would never be the same. She followed the Lord, and she loved the Lord so much that um, she was there every single morning, including this morning. And we pick it up now. This is the third day, and uh, Peter and John check it out. One believes, but now we, the, the story turns to Mary. Let's pick it up in verse 11, John 20. But Mary stood outside the tomb, and she was weeping. And as she wept, she stooped down and looked into the tomb, and she saw two angels in white sitting, one at the head and the other at the feet, where the body of Jesus had lain. And they said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? And she said to them, Because they have taken away my Lord, and I don't know where they have laid him. Now when she had said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she didn't know it was Jesus. Now I have to ask the question, why? And we'll get into that in just a little bit. Uh, And Jesus said unto her, Woman, why are you weeping, and whom are you seeking? And she, supposing him to be the gardener, said to him, Well, sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have laid him, and I will take him away. Oh, Mary, the love that she had. Just tell me where he is, and then I'll, I'll go get him, and I'll, I'll take him. And at that point, Jesus said to her, Mary. And it was that voice that she had heard and known so well from the first day that she met the Lord. And she turned and said to him, Rabboni. There's an explanation point there, which is to say, teacher, don't cling to me. She was really laying a bear hug on him. He got away away once. He wasn't going to get away again. (laughs) Do not cling to me, for I have not yet ascended to my father. But I want you to go tell my brethren and say to them that I that I am ascending to my Father and your Father and to my God and to your God. And Mary Magdalene came and told the disciples that she had seen the Lord and that he had spoken these things to her. We've got to stop here and pause. And I want to fill in some blanks of what the disciples were going through these last three days. Let's turn to Luke Chapter 24. Imagine giving your whole life to something like the disciples and then watch the unthinkable happen. Every day for three years, they were with him, heard him speak, saw the miracles. They were sure he was the one, no doubt about it. And then to see it all come crashing down, he's dead. So picking it up in verse 13 One of the guys' name is Cleopas. We don't know the other one's name. And Jesus is giving them right here an Old Testament Bible study. Here's the story. Um, These are two disciples that had been with the Lord. We read in verse 13, Now, behold, two of them were traveling the same day. Now, this would have been Jesus had just risen from the dead and um, appeared to Mary. But these guys had given up. He's dead, we're going home, to a village called Emmaus, which is about seven miles from Jerusalem. It's still there today. And they talked together of the things that had happened. And so it was while they conversed and reasoned that Jesus himself all of a sudden drew near and went with them. But their eyes were restrained, so was Mary's. And I don't know why, but they don't recognize him as being the Lord. So that they did not know him. And he said to them, What kind of conversation is this that you guys are having with one another? And why are you so sad? What are you so bummed out about? And then one of them, whose name was Cleopas, answered and said, Are you the only stranger in Jerusalem, and have you not known the things that have happened there these days? Jesus, playing dumb, says, What things? And he said unto them, You know, the things concerning Jesus of Nazareth, who was, notice, was, past tense, a prophet, They have no hope here. They're in mourning. And he was mighty indeed in word before God and all the people. And how the chief priests and our rulers delivered him to be condemned to death and even crucified him. But we were hoping again. Past tense. They're out of hope. They're sad. 
We were hoping that it was he that was going to redeem Israel. And besides all that, this is the third day since these things happened. And there's a certain woman of our company who came to the tomb early and they astonished us. When they did not find his body, they came saying that they had also seen a vision of angels who said he was alive, but they're not believing it. And certain of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the woman had said uh, by him, but they did not see. They They didn't find him when they went. And then Jesus says to them, Oh, you foolish ones, and slow of heart to believe in all that the prophets have spoken. Ought not the Christ to have suffered these things and then enter into glory? And beginning at Moses, and notice this, all the prophets, he expounded to them the scriptures, the things concerning himself. Oh, if I could ever hear a Bible study, this would be one I'd want to hear from the Lord. Beginning with Moses, then going through all the prophets and explaining, I'm here, I'm here, I'm here, I'm here, I'm here, I'm everywhere. Let's just talk about Psalm 22. That first verse, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Sound familiar, boys? And um, the suffering that would, would be there and all that he would go through. And later we're going to read, while Jesus was giving this Bible study, as they're just walking along, it said their hearts began to burn inside. And they go, holy smokes, I never saw that before. Yeah, I remember that. But the Lord himself is the one who's giving this message. Now it's getting dark. And they drew near the village where they were going, and he indicated that uh, he's going to go a little bit farther. But they constrained him, saying, why don't you stay with us? Because it's towards evening, and, and it's getting late. And he, he went in to stay with them. And so now it's supper time. And it came to pass, as he sat at the table with them, that he took bread and blessed and broke it and gave it to them. Blessed art thou, O Lord, King of the universe, that brings forth bread from the earth. That's a prayer that he would have said. But he would have taken the bread like this, and all of a sudden, now you've got to use your hands, right? And he breaks it, and he gives it to him. So all of a sudden, the lights go on. Ding, 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 ding. And they see. And it said, um, it came to pass as he sat at the table with him, he took bread, blessed and broke it, and gave it to them. And then their eyes were opened, and they knew him, and then he vanishes from their sight. He just disappears. And they said to one another, did not our hearts burn within us while he talked to us on the road? And while he opened the scriptures to us, that's one of the reasons, the only way you're going to get the scriptures opened up is if you do teach through the Bible chapter by chapter and verse by verse. I actually, you always see things I've, you've never seen before. I told the, the gang in, in the prayer room, I saw something studying this week I've never saw before. And it's coming up right here. So they arose that very hour and returned to Jerusalem. Now it took them all day to get to Emmaus. I bet it took them a half an hour to get back. And they found the eleven who were there gathered together, saying, the Lord is risen indeed, and he has appeared to Simon. And that's all that's ever mentioned here. And, gang, we can really get sidetracked about beginning in a place where you feel you've crossed the line and you've committed the unforgivable sin. Peter failed in his strong suit. I'll never deny you. Though they, these all deny you, I'll never deny you. Well, he did three times in the same night. And it was more than Peter could handle because when that roaster, roaster, <laughs> when that chicken, that male chicken, <laughs> when that rooster crowed, Jesus looked at Peter. It wasn't a look of condemnation. It wasn't a look like I knew I couldn't count on you, Peter. It was a look of, I understand, Peter. I understand men. And I understand your weakness. But he checked out. And um, he had, the, the, it's not mentioned the personal one-on-one. It just says he appeared to Simon. No more commentary. 
because this was between Jesus and it was between Peter. And he says, he's risen indeed and appeared to Simon. And they told about the things that had happened on the road and how he was known to them in the breaking of bread. Obviously, they saw the scars. Now, as they said these things, Jesus himself stood in the midst of them and said to them, peace to you. Now, this is what I never saw before. And we'll go back to John 20 in just a little bit. But they were terrified and frightened. That's not told to us in John's gospel. And they thought it was a ghost, a spirit. And he said to them, well, why are you guys troubled and why do doubts arise in your hearts? Look at my hands and my feet. It's me. Handle me and see, for a spirit does not have notice flesh and bone. Don't we usually say flesh and blood? Yeah, he said flesh and bone. He has a resurrected body that's going to be different. This one can walk through walls. This one can come and go at will, appear, disappear, but yet still be flesh and and bone, as you see that I have. And when he said this, he showed them his hands and his feet, but they still did not believe for joy and marveled. And then he said, well, do you have anything to eat? So they gave him a piece of broiled fish and some honeycomb, and so he took it and ate it in their presence. A little insight into our resurrected bodies that you or I are going to have. All right, this is what I've never seen before, and I've done uh, Resurrection Sunday messages now for many, many, 35, 6, I don't know how many years, lots of them. And uh, let's go back to John 20, but I've never seen this before. And what I'm about to pick up the story is... In John, we left off with verse 18. Mary was talking to the guys, and now in verse 19, that same day at evening being the first day of the week. So now uh, when the doors were shut and the disciples were assembled for fear of the Jews, Jesus came. It says the 11 disciples, but what did we learn from Luke? Well, Cleopas was there. Cleopas and his friend. So it wasn't just 11. What also Luke tells us is that they were terrified. And um, it doesn't tell us about him eating or anything like that. It It simply says that they were afraid for the Jews and Jesus stood in the midst and said, peace be with you. The very first words that he said to his disciples. But Cleopas was there, and so was his buddy. And when he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. And then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. So in in these verses here, um, 19 and 20, uh, I want to read 19 and 20. 21 and when they, in 21, then Jesus said to them again, Peace to you, for as I have sent me, I also send you. And um, let's just stop right there for a second. Very first words. They're scared to death. And the Lord simply says, I want you guys to be at peace. After the resurrection, let me just say this. You'll never know the peace of God. The Bible says that we're supposed to have a peace that passes human understanding. Somebody want to say amen? A peace. He says, not not the kind of peace the world gives, but my peace I give unto you. Not as the world gives, but the peace that I give to you. But you can't have that peace until you've experienced the grace of God. Now, everyone, not everyone, but almost all of them, Um, of Paul's letters, this is how he opens Colossians chapter one. Grace be unto you and peace from God our Father and our Lord Jesus Christ. Second Corinthians 12, first verse, grace be to you and peace from God our Father and our Lord Jesus Christ. Galatians one, grace be to you and peace from God the Father and our Lord Jesus Christ. Ephesians one, Guess what I'm going to read? (laughs) 
Grace and peace to you from God our Father, our Lord Jesus Christ. Philippians, grace be unto you and peace from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Not only Paul, but Peter. Second Peter 1, grace and peace be multiplied through the knowledge of God and our Lord Jesus Christ. He doesn't say peace and grace. He always says grace and peace. You have to understand God's grace. It's not about works. You can't earn it. You don't deserve it. It is a free gift that was paid for in full. And the best we can do is accept that grace and you will have the peace. Amen? Have, but it's got to be that way. You won't, if, if it's dependent upon me in any way, shape, or form, I lose my peace because I can't pull it off, gang, and neither can you. Either it's a free gift, like Paul says, either it's grace without works, or it's works and you better do every one of them perfect. And then, and this is the only way that the peace is there. Well, that was the first thing Jesus said, peace be to you. Then in verses 21 through 23, Let's read where he goes down. And then he said, he breathed on him and he says, receive the Holy Spirit. And if you have forgiven the sins of any, they are forgiven them. And if you retain the sins of any, they will be retained. In other words, tell the gospel. Now, these are the first marching orders that they're hearing Jesus for the first time. And he's telling them, be at peace, first of all, but then he says, get busy. Here's the Holy Spirit. And then he says, if you've forgiven the sins of any, sin is the issue. And all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And he says, you have authority. The Holy Spirit speaking through you. When you share the gospel with them, you have the authority to go and tell that person because you've trusted in Jesus Christ that your sins are forgiven and your name will be put into the book of life. Uh, if, the, if you forgive their sins, they are forgiven. But if you retain the sins of any, they are retained. If they don't want to hear it, well, they have that, that choice. So go and take the message with you. Gang, we mark time itself from this moment. The year is 2016. 2016 from what? Well, it's 2016 years ago that Jesus was born. We mark our very date of our year because of our Lord Jesus Christ. Some will believe. Some will believe. Some won't. One thief on the cross believed. You know where he is today? Heaven. The other thief on the cross didn't believe. Do you know where he is today? In hell, waiting for the judgment where death and hell will be emptied and he will be at the great white throne judgment and he will be judged according to his works. It says the books were opened. And then you have people that have to have proof. And now that brings us to Thomas. Verse 24 and 25, let's read it. But Thomas, called Didymus, One of the twelve was not there with him when Jesus came. And the other disciples therefore said to him, He's alive. We've seen the Lord. But he said to them, "Uh Uh-uh. I'm from Missouri. Unless I see his hands and the print of the nails and put my fingers into the prints of the nails and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. And we call him Doubting Thomas because of that. I want proof. Unless I can see it, then I'm not buying it. All right, as you get now to verse 26 um, through 29, it's eight days later. A little more than a week has gone by. And again, the disciples were inside, but this time Thomas was with them. And Jesus came, again, the doors being shut. He walks through walls. And he stood in the midst of them and again says, peace to you. And his first order of business, he's looking around the room. He goes, where's Thomas? Ah, there's Thomas. Thomas, come on over here a second. And he says, "Um, I want you to reach your finger here 
and look at my hands and I want you to take your hand here and I want you to put it in, into my side. Thomas, do not be unbelieving, but believe. Thomas is broken. He's humble. But let me just tell you something that, that may not be obvious to you here. How does Jesus know what to say and what to do? Oh, he wasn't visible when Thomas showed up, but he was still there. Are you with me? Because he heard every word that Thomas said, and he comes now and he repeats it word for word to Thomas. So Thomas had to be thinking, I didn't see you, but you were there, weren't you? And I'll tell you something else. Wherever two or more are gathered together in his name, what does it say? Yeah, he's here. Whether you're conscious of that or not, he cannot lie. And he says, wherever two or more are gathered together in my name, here it is, Resurrection Sunday 2016, and Jesus is here. I'll never leave you, I'll never forsake you. He knows every thought, he knows all about you, even before he asked. And Thomas answered and said to him, my Lord and my God. And Jesus said to him, Thomas, because you have seen, you have believed. And he says, blessed are those who have not seen, yet they believe. Now, I've known Jesus since 1970, and I've never seen him once. But I know I'm going to see him someday. 1 Corinthians thirteen twelve says, For now we see through a glass darkly. But then face to face. Now I know in part, but then I shall know, even as I am known. You know what that tells me? When I get to heaven, I'd like to talk to Daniel a little bit, hang out with Paul. I definitely want to see David. And I'm not going to need an introduction. I'm going to know that that's David. I'm going to know that that's Daniel. John, you tell me a little bit more about what happened on, on, on Patmos. And you will know as you are known. And that's, that's for later. Eyes haven't seen, ears haven't heard, neither has it entered into the heart of man the things that God has prepared for those who love him. He's got some pretty special things in your future that we should be looking forward to. Let's finish uh, um, with a sidetrack to um, 1 Corinthians 15. The importance of the resurrection. The importance of the resurrection. I want to be able to present the gospel of Jesus Christ as clearly as I possibly can. And the best way to do that is to read the first four verses of 1 Corinthians 15. Paul is saying, Moreover, brethren, I declare to you the gospel which I preached to you, which you received, and now in which you stand. And that means that you're saved if you hold fast the word which I preached to you unless you believe in vain. For I delivered to you, and here's the gospel, first of all, that which I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, and that he was buried and that he rose again the third day according to the scriptures. There's whole Bible studies that we could get sidetracked on, on these verses here. But here's the gospel. It's that simple. That Jesus came, he died for your sin, and then he was buried and he rose the third day proving that he had the power. He said, nobody takes my life. I lay it down. I have the power to lay it down and I have the power to raise it up again. Matter of fact, I have a power to say, spirit, you can go home now. And he dismissed his own spirit. And then we have not only that, but in any place of court and a trial, eyewitnesses are key to truth. So, well, let me just get sidetracked here a little bit. I mean, it wouldn't be not me with a little sidetrack somewhere, right? We call it, we call Resurrection Sunday, we call it Easter. Um, there's rabbits and eggs and egg hunts. And I want to tell you where Easter came from. 2,000 years before Christ, in ancient Babylon, 
they honored the resurrection of their god, Tammuz, who was brought forth from the underworld by his mother's wife, Ishtar. Ishtar is the goddess of spring, which is actually pronounced Easter, and this is where it comes from. It's a pagan holiday. Easter comes to us through the Anglo-Saxon fertility rites of the goddess Ostra, the goddess of spring. And that's why the Easter bunnies and the, the egg hunts and fertility. And it has nothing to do with uh, Resurrection Sunday. Uh, well, Constantine's mother changed a lot of the, the holidays. Springtime was just last week. Spring turned over. Easter, depending upon which calendar, happens at different times. Let's look at the eyewitnesses. Verse 5. And he was seen by Peter and then by the twelve. That means he, Mary was the first one. Peter was the second one. And then to the twelve. And after that, he was seen by over 500 brethren at once of whom the greater part remain to the present, but some have fallen asleep. You notice the word death isn't used? Fallen asleep means they were part of the first resurrection. When they died, they didn't go to Abraham's bosom. To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. Amen? When you die, you're instantaneously changed, and you're given that new body. And after that, he was seen by James and by the apostles. Then last of all, he was seen by me, one born out of due time. Here's Paul talking about getting knocked off his high horse on the way to Damascus. And the Lord appeared to him. And he said, who are you? He says, I'm Jesus whom you're persecuting. It's hard to kick against the pricks, Paul. And he got saved. For I am the least of the apostles, and I'm not worthy to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. He consented to Stephen's death. He voted to have him stoned. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. Can't we all say that? By the grace of God, we are who we are. Only by grace. By the grace of God, I am what I am. And by his grace towards me, it wasn't in vain. But I labored more abundantly than all of them. Yet not I, but the grace of God which is in me. Therefore, whether it was I or they, so we preached. And so you believed. That's what Jesus told them to do. Now, There are some who don't believe. And we have here, if Christ has preached that he's been raised from the dead, well, how come there's some of you that are saying there is no resurrection of the dead? And in Judaism, they had this split uh, between uh, the Pharisees that believed in the resurrection and the Sadducees, um, and they also believed in angels. Uh, But the Sadducees didn't believe in angels or the resurrections. And for that reason, they don't believe, the Sadducees don't believe in the resurrection. That's why they're sad, you see. Most of you have heard it before, right? (laughs) But there's some new people here, so I had to throw it in there. The importance of the resurrection. If there's no resurrection of the dead, then Christ is not risen. And if Christ is not risen, then our preaching is in vain, and your faith also vain. Yes, and we're found to be false witnesses of God, because we testified of God that he raised up Christ, whom if he did not raise up, if in fact the dead do not rise, and if, and if the dead do not rise, then Christ is not risen, and if Christ is not risen, your faith is futile, and you're still in your sins. Then all those who have fallen asleep, they perished. If in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are men most miserable. I mean, if, 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 um, if Jesus didn't rise from the dead, we are always taking our time here this morning. We would go do something else. But because he has risen from the dead, what does that mean? Well, it means I have a reason to be alive. I have purpose. I had an empty spot in my heart that's filled. And... Um, Filled to overflowing, as the scripture says. You'll receive the Holy Spirit, and it'll be like rivers of living water. It'll gush right out of you. And that's what he's wanting for you, to have that rich, abundant. He says, I've, 
I've come to give you life and give it to you more abundantly. I want you to know the truth and the truth will set you free. And the truth is, Jesus Christ is risen. And with that, we could, I want you to go back to John and we'll close this up. With John and his gospel, he really wants to get one point across. And that is that Jesus is God. So he begins his gospel that way. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Verse 14 says, And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. So, in concluding, he does this twice, at the end of chapter 20, and then again at the end of chapter 21. He says in verse 30, And truly Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples which are not written in the book. But these are written that you might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you might have eternal life. Gang, we weren't meant for this world. We are pilgrims and strangers. We're just passing through. It's not about the here and now. It's about forever. And there's parables that he told, how we live now, what we invest in now. Again, that old saying that, We quote a lot, but it's so true. Only one life, soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ is going to last. Everything else is gone. You can't take it with you. I'll close with a quote by two guys, Henry Morris of the Creation Institute. He says, The bodily resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead is the crowning proof of Christianity. If the resurrection did not take place, then Christianity is a false religion. If it did take place, then Christ is God and the Christian faith is absolute truth, Henry Morris. This one's from John Scott. It is fitting that a supernatural person should enter and leave the earth in a supernatural way. This is, in fact, what the New Testament teaches and the church believes. His death was natural, but his conception was supernatural. His death, I should say his birth was natural, but his conception was supernatural. His death was natural, but his resurrection was supernatural. Amen? Let's stand and we'll pray. Lord, here we are again, another Resurrection Sunday, and we would be men most miserable, with no hope, no joy, no reason to even really be here. But Lord, you have risen, and it fills our hearts to overflow. And we're humbled, Lord, and we know it's by your grace and your mercy. I pray for any this morning who think that somehow they have to do something other than believe. You told the disciples, this is the work of God, that you simply believe on him who God has sent. And realize it's appointed unto man once to die and end the judgment. So, Lord, I pray this morning for any that have never believed on you. Lord, thinking of the thief on the cross and how You saw his heart, that he wanted you just to remember him. And you gave him eternal life at that very moment. And I pray in closing, as people are wondering what to do and how to do it, just speak to the Lord from your heart. He sees your heart. He knows what you're thinking in the same way that he knew what Thomas was thinking. And Lord, meet that person where they are right now. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.